and welcome to episode two of Establish the Collection. I'm Cody Main, joined as always by my co-host, Gary Hartman. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Hey, Cody. Excited uh, about episode two here. Yeah, you bet. Uh, we've we've got a, a jam-packed show lined up for tonight, so we're going to dive right in um, and kick things off with our first installment of a segment we're referring to as the Starter Pack. It's a segment where we'll give you a 101-style overview of a single collectibles topic uh, where we'll cover things like grading, how to handle and store your cards, different time horizons, and just a ton of other things. So so today we're going to kick it off with just going high level on how to evaluate cards and how to evaluate the card market as a whole. So Gary, I think you're kind of uniquely qualified to talk about this. You've been, you've been doing this for a few years now. You've made a bunch of money uh, flipping cards, selling cards, buying and investing short and long term. Why don't you give your take on where we're at as a market and how you evaluate cards? Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. I'm I'm excited about the starter pack. It's it's going to be fun. You know, I think we are in a position here that we can get a lot of people involved, and because you know the ETR subscribers. I think come at the sports collectible space from a bunch of different angles. So we're going to try to, you know, lay the one-on-one groundwork. So I think today the best way to do that is basically just talking about the the card market as a whole from a high level view and kind of explaining some of the need to know stuff as far as, you know, what are you looking at, how to evaluate and explain the current state of the sports card market. So uh, I think the best place to to possibly start is talking about the different products and, and brands that are out there right now. So uh, there are two main companies that produce traditional cardboard today, and that is Panini and Tops. Uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with Tops as they are, they've been around for their, you know, hundreds of a hundred years or so as the king of mostly baseball cards, but they did have the rights to other sports for a while. But for now, Tops only makes MLB cards and soccer cards as far as their licensing rights for sports. So they are still king of all things baseball. Uh, any type of baseball product coming out, even if you hear the word Bowman or something like that, it is owned by Tops. And so they are that's what they do. Panini, on the other hand, is the other big player in this market, and they have the licensing rights to the NBA uh, and the NFL. They also have some soccer licensing rights as well. That's kind of split up uh they also make baseball cards but they are unlicensed so you would you know if you see a panini baseball card they will not have any logos or you won't see any team jerseys on there or anything like that so panini makes basketball and football tops makes mlb upper deck is still a player in this as well they have hockey rights so they still produce hockey uh something that's really interesting to note with upper deck is that they actually have the lifetime rights, signing rights of some of the biggest sports stars ever, uh, most notably LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and Tiger Woods. So you will never see a LeBron James modern day sports basketball card being signed unless it comes from Upper Deck, meaning you will not see a Lakers jersey LeBron James signed card, for example. That's why, and we'll get into this not to get too into the weeds of things, old school LeBron James early rookie cards in his second, third, fourth year that have his signature on it the patch autograph cards, things like that are so, so valuable because those are those autographed cards that have his Cavaliers jersey on it that when Upper Deck still had licensing rights. Um, so yeah, so those are the main players as far as brands are concerned. Uh, have you have anything to add there, Cody? No, I think you, I didn't even know that about, about LeBron. So that's, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think taking it a step further, I think the next step is to understand now you know okay tops has baseball panini's got basketball and football so you know if you're looking for uh uh mike trout card you're looking you're looking at tops you're looking at bowman uh if you're looking for a luca card you're looking for panini yep 
talk about the differences between um, high end and low end. I think there's some confusion about um, different types of packs. We've got, I know there's Prism and NBA Hoops and National Treasure. Just talk about um, kind of high end stuff, low end stuff and everything in between. Yeah. So uh, obviously where we are right now in the hobby, everything is expensive. It's un- it's unfortunate to an extent because it's even hard if you're a dad that just wants to go get a pack with your kids to find something that's really affordable now. You still can. If you go into CVS or Rite Aid, you might see like a pack of score football or something like that, which is a great rip with your kids. Uh, but traditionally, there's a uh, and there still is. It's just that everything's expensive. There's a, a wide range of uh, different types of products that have lesser value or more value, and then their entry point prices are reflective of that. So, for example, for basketball, uh, and it usually goes in order of the releases for the most part. So, NBA Hoops is the first release of the year with the rookies in their pro uniforms. And traditionally, that has been a very cheap product, you know, uh, like 70 bucks for a hobby box, which is not a lot at all, and like a couple bucks for, per pack. And that's a great, that would traditionally something that's great to rip with your kids. You know, you get, uh, they're all mostly just paper cards, not many autographs involved, but it's a great way to introduce kids to players and get them involved with sports cards in general. Then you have other cards that are chrome and paper based that come out through the year. And the king of those for basketball is Prism, Panini Prism Basketball, which I'm sure you've heard of if you know anything about sports cards. Those are usually like the, the cards that come out of that are the flagship rookies of these guys. So if you are hearing about the... Um, you know, the market of a Luka Doncic rookie card, it's usually going to be reflecting his Panini Prism base rookie PSA 10 or PSA 9, which is the grade of it. Um, or Giannis Antetokounmpo. I have one here, actually. So this is a Giannis Panini Prism rookie card, PSA 10, if you're watching on YouTube. So you can see Prism is the brand there. It's the real card over there. It has the rookie card shield in there. And uh, the grade is there. So that's that's Prism, and that's kind of what you're looking for for, for all Chrome-based like flagship rookie cards. And then on the higher end of that, uh, there is things that have the patch autograph type cards. So these are going to be your cards that you've seen kind of record breaking sales for over the last year or so where things are getting into the million dollar range. And those are really highlighted by um, the Panini side products called national treasures and flawless and immaculate where they are, they're going to be their flagship RPA. RPA means rookie patch autograph. You're going to hear that term a lot in in the card world. And those are the very high ends. Those boxes cost thousands and thousands of dollars because there was a, for example, for the 2019, 20 national treasures, there was a Zion Williamson, the logo man autograph, the one of one card, his best, best card you can get out of that. There was a bounty for that card for about a million dollars out there. So wow. basically saying, if you hit this card, we will pay you a million dollars. So that's why those boxes are so much money because it's, you, you could strike gold. Uh, so that's kind of really the difference you have, you know, cards, you could still go again into CVS and get a, and a get a pack of $2 cards, or you have boxes that are going to be $20,000. So there's really everything and anything in between today. Okay. So, so people that are getting into it now, maybe in the last six six to 12 months, like a lot of us have, um, for me in particular in, in the traditional world. Um, I know you've been in it for a couple of years. I know you've been buying boxes for a couple of years. Um, what just talk about some of the differences in prices now, I guess, between, uh, what you were paying three years ago for a box of Panini Prism or a pack of Panini Prism versus what you've got to pay now. Um, it may be some different ways to mitigate your cost, I guess, if you're, if you're operating on a lower bankroll. Yeah, 
That's that's a great great call. So uh, I think the best way to start this conversation is is talking about the difference between uh, hobby and retail. So hobby is what you're going to go if you ever go to a hobby shop or a local card store. Those are going to be what they understand. Those are the the very that's the highest end of the sealed product that you can get. Uh, it's going to have more packs, thicker packs usually, and more guaranteed autographs or limited uh, short printed cards. So it's a higher entry point. Those boxes are, are much more expensive as opposed to retail. Retail cards are going to be what you find at your Target or your Walmart, where the actual sticker price is only about $20 for a box. A lot of times those are called blaster boxes or mega boxes. So those are around 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks. The problem with those are they're nearly impossible to find right now. There are people in th- this, you you know, we, we could do a whole segment on this. There's news stories. This was literally written up in the Bergen record in my local paper recently about people camping out in front of Target waiting for the stocks, the restock to go in. So that's kind of getting eaten up by the big fishes as well. Uh, but if you're lucky enough to find any packs in stores like that, that's going to be a much more affordable entry point where it's going to be about 20 to $50 for a box, as opposed to if you go into a hobby store, you're spending hundreds to thousands. Uh, now, if you just want to what you touched on before, as far as just where the hobby has gone, what we've seen in 20 from the middle of 2020 to the middle of 2021 now is just a ridiculous jump in hobby prices. Panini Prism, for example, the 2020, 2020 2021 product that just came out a couple of weeks ago, those re, those came out at two thousand dollars per box. This is unheard of. Last year, those were around two fifty three hundred for a much much better rookie class with with Zion Williamson. So we're seeing. I mean, you can do the math. However much, however X amount of an increase uh, in one year period for uh, hobby prices. So is all that is a lot of that brought on by Panini and brought on by the card manufacturers or is a lot of that driven by the secondary market? It's both. Pan- it's, pan- it's both. It's Panini reacting to the market exploding, the secondary market exploding. So they're they're basically getting their their share of what's happened uh, over the last year, which you can't honestly you can't blame them for. I mean, you see what some of these prices are going for in auction houses and on eBay and everything. And Panini's just selling at to their distributors at their whatever normal rates. I mean, the only way they, they were going to be able to kind of really benefit the most from this card boom is if they raise their prices too. So it's it's understandable. Right. Okay, so so now if you're looking at if you're shifting your your focus from okay maybe maybe hobby boxes and uh, I know I can't get retail because they're eaten up by everybody that's camping out at eight o'clock for for all the Target releases and the Walmart yep. releases. So if you're looking at singles um, or or looking to buy graded cards or even resell packs, uh, where where are you looking and how are you evaluating those to make sure you're getting a good deal? Right. Uh, are there tools that you use? Is there a process that you've built up over the last couple of years that you you rely on? Yeah. So uh, this is kind of popping into the the next part, which is really just how you we're going to evaluate the market yourself. So say you have a card, you you sitting in your closet from when you were a kid. Oh wow, the card market's really exploded. Let me see what these are worth. There's a bunch of different ways that you could do that. Uh, I still think the most one of the most reliable ways is just looking at eBay sold listings. So basically, you go on eBay, you type in exactly what that card year is, and if it's a Derek Jeter rookie card, you type in whatever 1993 Derek Jeter SP whatever. And you click on sold listings on the eBay, which is one of the options. And you could see everything that's ended over the last couple months of that card. So you're going to get an immediate, um, you know, comparable 
to what the current value of that card is. Because again, eBay, as I mentioned this on the first episode, is still king as far as singles, sales, market reflection. Uh, the only problem with that sometimes is if it's a buy it now, so like you can have an option, eBay, you could either do an auction or a buy it now. So buy it now is you put a card up for $1,000 and someone could just go buy it for $1,000. An auction is what it sounds like. So buy it now, you might not see the price that it went for if it was one on a best offer. So there are actually different tools you can use to see what those were. Uh, I like there's a Chrome extension. So if you use Chrome as a browser, that's really cool. You, there's something called slab watch that I use that you can literally just download the Chrome extension. And if you're on the sold page listing already on eBay, it'll show you what that card actually went for. You don't have to do anything. The extension will do the work for you, but there are also other tools and sites that are going to give you a, some more of an even detailed reflection of that current cards market. Uh, 130point.com is probably the most famous of these that a lot of people use, but there's others like card snoop and, um, there's sports card investor that has an app that kind of does a lot of this as well. Uh, and there's a bunch of these sold for is a new one that, that I think is pretty good. And so there, there's a ton that you can find and use to find your current value of your cards. Sweet. Yeah. So it, it seems like, and if, if people are coming over from, you know, the top shot world or got their first taste of collectibles in the top shot world and thought, okay, I, I like this. I like the feeling of opening packs. I like the feeling of collecting and buying and selling and trading. Um, a lot of these sites like 130 point and card snoop um, and the sports card investor app sound a lot like what people are probably used to if they're coming from the top shot world um, like evaluate.market and moment ranks and places like that so um, from your experience like 130 point and and places like sports card investor do do all of these sites kind of have um, all encompassing prices is there missing data points or from your experience does it seem like they've got um, all sales listed within their app yeah they offer different things so like it, it, it depending on what you're looking for you know you might go to, to one or the other so like 130 point is more strictly you're going to get exactly the the sales from a longer period of time the exact price that it went for where something like sports card investor or some of the other ones they're going to use more market trends and data trends so you're going to see like the last seven days the last 14 days the exact you know some of the stuff that you might see on cody's twitter for uh like top shot and things like that they'll you'll see the, those graphs as far as what this particular card is doing uh from there that so it really depends on, on what you're looking for yeah and i think the the overall point is is that the sports card market has data available for you to make proper yeah. decisions when you're making totally. right you don't need to go on and and overpay by 50 percent for a card that's listed because you don't know what the price point is you can do some price discovery with these things that are available to us just like we can on on top shot just to make yep. sure we're not overpaying for things um, so I think we can we can transition from there right into the current state of of the baseball sports card market, and this is kind of going to lead into our discussion um, on the tops NFT release and how we all experience that, and is there going to be value in that going forward? So why don't we take kind of a you know high level approach, just looking at the baseball sports card market, and kind of give your two cents on where we're at uh, as we're now three or four weeks into the season. Yeah. So the um, yeah, given that we're going to be talking tops NFT, like you just said, I figure we figured it's a good day to to talk some baseball here. So baseball's heating up big time in the traditional card space. You know, this we're about, I guess, three weeks or so into the season. Um, something like that into the baseball season, and this is kind of going to be reflective of any of the the sports during you know of uh, when we're talking about cardboard. When it's in season, your the market's going to be a lot hotter than when it's not. Uh, I'll give baseball this though: the the market really did start to heat up more and more in the off season as the season approached. I was impressed. There was 
I guess there was like some look ahead to this current season. Maybe, you know, the real 162 game season, get it coming back was pumping up some fans, but there, you know, it started to heat up, especially for some of the young stars in the sport, which we're really seeing their prices uh, elevate and sustain guys like names like Ronald Acuna Jr. And Juan Soto. Uh, those are, you know, and, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Those are like really the big three young stars in the game that their card prices, their flagship rookie cards and, and first Bowman rookie cards autographs are really, really strong markets. Uh, they're, they're holding really strong markets. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been pretty strong. It's sustained pretty well for the for the first couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to seeing what it goes what it does from here. So, with with respects to some of the big names, I, I'm a casual baseball fan, admittedly. Yeah. Um, so, with some of the bigger names, just like just like the NBA, I guess, do you notice that um, with with bigger names and things heating up for them, like Soto and Tatis? And players like that, do, do they drive a higher overall market for the the entire baseball sports card space, just like we saw with Zion and Luca and those guys? Or is it just kind of uh, doesn't doesn't necessarily matter by the names the you know, the, the market's going to do what the market does? So I think it's a little bit in between. So it's not as much of the trickle down that basketball has. Like when we saw Jordan go off and then the whole 86 Fleer set gets crazy. It's not quite like that Um, because there is still so much more speculating involved with baseball. And there's different times when a lot of these guys are entering the league from their, when their first Bowman cards coming out. Uh, It's, it isn't quite like that where like it, we're also in a little bit of a unique scenario here where we have like these three crazy high profile uh, young players on the scene in baseball that are like, three of the top 15 players in the sport already. So it's not like there isn't that many of that, like next tier to trickle down to necessarily, you know, the, the guys that are in their same tier are guys that have been around for a while, like trout uh, or like Manny Machado and Nolan Arnado, these guys that have been stars for a while. So um, you do see it. You, you see it affect the rest of the market, but not necessarily to the same crazy extent where like, oh, you see Zion and Jock cards being crazy. So then it's going to trickle down to Tyler hero. Um, you don't necessarily see it to, to that level. Right. Okay. So, so I know you're, you're excited about, you had some thoughts on the Bowman release, which is upcoming April 28th, right? Yeah. A week from yesterday, uh, we're we're recording here on Thursday, the 22nd. So uh, Wednesday, the 28th, uh, Bowman 2021 is coming out, which is a huge release. Um, So Bowman, Bowman is the, it's pretty much going to be compared to Prism for baseball. And that, that being said, as far as their first, first Bowman card, a, a player, uh, that's what you're looking for. So last year with Bowman 2020, uh, it was a huge release because there was a bunch of big prospects. Jason Dominguez is the Yankees really, really stud prospect. He's like 17, 18 years old. And the, the hype on him is through the roof. People are saying he's a mix of like Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout. And it's, it's, wow. just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, as a Yankee fan, I can only hope, but uh, so, you know, this is going to be, uh, the first big release of the year. It's a mix of paper cards and Chrome cards. So these are their jumbo packs. If you get a hobby box and you're going to get, uh, you know, a bunch of paper and a bunch of Chrome and then a couple autographs per box in a jumbo hobby box. And there's the regular hobby box, which has one autograph per but comes in a bunch of different colors. Uh, so the same way with Prism, there's a bunch of different refractors and colors. So you can get a blue autograph or an orange autograph or a red, which is out of five, uh, a super fractor, one of one. So, you know, you're really looking for in these uh, for a refractor or colored autograph of a player's first Bowman uh, card. I haven't had time to really go through who to see who the big prospects are in this 
upcoming release, but we'll touch on it when it after the product comes out. Uh, but it's a big deal for for baseball. Um, there are a couple of Bowman releases per year, so this is regular just Bowman 2021. Uh, then there's Bowman Draft, which comes out after the draft is. Uh, happen so then they, they release a bunch of the players from that that draft and then there's bowman chrome as well which is all chrome cards and a lot more autograph heavy um but uh this one particularly is probably what uh, a lot of the real baseball card heads get the most excited about okay i i don't think we should skip over or, or take for granted that maybe the audience understands maybe with with panini prism with basketball i think it's it's kind of clear that there's one rookie card for for each player for yeah. the flagship um, product, but there's Bowman Chrome, you know, there's Bowman, which, which basically is the prospect card, their first yeah. card. And then there's tops, yeah. which has their rookie card. Can you maybe touch on some of the differences, maybe some of the differences in value and how they're uh, viewed within the Great. hobby? Great point. So, sorry, I, I should have clarified on this more. Yeah. So it, it, the reason I was kind of hesitant to say this is exactly what like is their prism card is because mm-hmm. you're right. There are basically two different entry points of a player's rookie or first card that you're going to be evaluating their markets on. So one is going to be their Bowman first first card. And you're usually looking for the autograph of that particularly their Bowman first chrome autograph that's going to always hold a little bit more value especially if it grades out like a bgs 9.5 with a 10 autograph that's going to be their first ever prospect card and it's going to usually come out anywhere from a year to three or four years before they even hit the big leagues that's why this stuff is a little bit hard to evaluate especially when it first comes out because you know you're paying an arm and a leg for this stuff and you may not see these guys for a couple years what Cody was just referring to is there's t- regular tops releases, top series one, top series two, and tops update, which are the main tops releases throughout the year. And those are going to be the way you, uh, uh, their flagship rookie cards from their first time in a major league uniform. So, for example, a lot of the, the Mike Trout tops card that a lot of people evaluate is the Mike Trout tops update rookie. So the update rookie series comes out a little bit later in the season and he updates to the set that needs to happen, changing teams, or if they missed on any rookies or anything like that, those are going to be in that set. And a lot of the time that will become the flagship rookie card for a baseball player uh, once they're in the league. So that's going to be kind of what you, where you track the market on a team, a player's rookie card itself. Those can also get up to huge numbers, um, but they don't have quite the same upside as their first Bowman Chrome card. So overall value wise, the, the first Bowman Chrome card is kind of the, the the flagship, if you will, the the premier asset. And then after that, it's, it's tops, generally yes. speaking. Yep. But they both can hold super high value. Um, you know, the, the tops update trout rookie card PSA 10 is is worth thousands. So. OK, so why, why don't you look a little bit more into just discuss some of the micro trends, I guess, if you will. Uh, in card valuations in the baseball market, what about um, differences between pitcher valuation and hitter valuation? Um, you mentioned some of the biggest risers. Are there other players out there that you should be looking at or that people should be looking at? Um, and, and how are they evaluated? And um, kind of what's the speculation horizon? I know that that rookie cards in basketball can kind of hold value for quite a while while people speculate uh, and kind of give players the benefit of the doubt or a long rope before they you know kick throwing the towel. So So is that the same process with baseball do prospects get a long leash in terms of uh how long their their rookie cards might hold value yeah that's a really good that's a really good question so uh, i'll hit both those points so first of all i think it's a really important thing for the listeners to know just the difference uh for, for better or for worse in the baseball card hobby versus pitchers and hitters pitchers unfortunately for the very very most part are not worth much at all um Hitters drive the sport. Power hitters particularly drive the sport. 
uh, and the the market um, pitchers. You know, listen, there are some Clayton Kershaw, Jacob Degrom rookie cards that have value in first boom, but compared to uh, their power hitting counterparts, it's it's you know it, it's night and day. Um, I'm very interested to see when we get into the tops NFT conversation and as we monitor that market going forward, if that's going to be the same digitally. But at least traditionally, for the the cardboard side, um, hitters rule, rule the day. Uh, uh, what you were just saying. Uh, otherwise, as far as kind of the leashes of some of these players in their markets, I think that's a really interesting point because, no, it's not like basketball. Um, I think you know, the reason is there's so much speculation on these guys for so many years because their first Bowman card comes out, you know, a couple of years before they hit the bigs that if they don't produce in their first couple seasons in a major league uniform, people are really uh, quick to, um, you know, kind of give up on these players um, or if guys hit slumps big time uh, Otani is a great example. So uh, Otani, if you don't know, I'm talking about Shohei Otani is mm-hmm. this Japanese um, phenom who I believe is in his third year now in the major leagues. And he had just unbelievable hype coming over from Japan. His card market reflected it right off the bat. So his rookie cards coming out were, were really, really hot. Uh, and then he had injury problems and then he didn't live up to hype. And then his market really, really tanked uh, pretty quickly. Uh, now we're actually seeing he's having a really, really strong start to this season. He's hit it. He's always a, oh, a dual. I should have mentioned, if you don't know this, he's a, both a pitcher and a hitter, which is unheard of. Um, so he's playing well on both sides of the ball here and his market's starting to pick back up. But if you see a prospect like, um, I don't know, brave shortstop Dansby Swanson, for example, he was the first overall pick about 10 years ago. Um, he hit the majors for the first time about five and he had a really, really strong market throughout his, all of his time in the minor leagues. And he really just never quite hit that potential. Now he's a fine everyday major league baseball player. Um, but his market isn't very strong because that's all he is. He never turned into that superstar. So people want to, if, if they see it trending in that direction, I think people want to jump ship quicker than, than, uh, you know, sooner than later. Makes sense. Yeah. It it seems like with basketball every year, a few guys that uh, maybe had a, you know, their, their Panini prism PSA 10 rookie card had a three figure valuation was going for over a hundred dollars. It seems like almost every year uh, the the hobby collectors kind of just give up on one of those guys every, it seems like, but for, for the most part, you know, like even, even guys like hero, we'll see them kind of just hold value, hold value until it seems like collectors finally give up on them ever becoming something. Well, it was crazy seeing the speculating that was going on with like 2019, 20 prism because the Zion and Josh stuff was so hot. As you were saying, it really did trickle down to the rest of the class. So like I saw people really investing in Sekou Dumboya on the Pistons, like heavily, mm-hmm. um, just like think, oh, this guy could be the next Pascal Siakam or, or whatever. And, you know, really going down to even the, the, the bottom of the class, people like trying to grab their some PSA 10 rookie cards of these guys. And it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I, it, it's totally different in basketball. So larger, larger point speaking, it, there, there may be lower entry points in baseball for guys that don't, you know, if, if there's not that trickle down effect, like where if Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto's and Fernando Tatis's prices are up, it doesn't have a trickle down effect. So you can still get some of these players at, if you're willing to speculate, you can still get some of these players at you know decent prices. Yeah, totally. Nice. Totally. You can. And I mean, that's not to say that the, the current market isn't very much reflective of what's happening in the sport. So, you know, right now, if you go look at um, like sports card investors tracking the, the the 10 hottest card sales of the last week, you know, it's just as far as overall movement. And eight of those are baseball cards right now, which makes sense. We're, we're right at the beginning of the baseball season. Um, it's a mix of guys like Acuna and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was another huge prospect that lost a little hype last year and now is starting to, to come back up have, having a really strong third season. Um, but it's also going to be guys that just are now playing 
very good baseball that were never on the radar before. So uh, Yerman Mercedes is a player on the White Sox who um, is basically, a, I believe, a career journeyman. He's like in his late 20s. Um, cracked the White Sox roster out of camp and is just smashing the ball this year. And so he doesn't even have many cards out there. Uh, but with the ones that he does have are reflected in the market of what he's doing. Um, and Akil Badu on the Tigers uh, is a center fielder that uh, I believe he's on the Tigers. At least he was drafted by the Tigers. That um, was a decent prospect. But And so he had a, a Bowman, you know, first Chrome autograph, whatever, but it was just middling to low end if anything and he really came on and is is hitting very very well this year so his his card has just skyrocketed as well um so you definitely see that as far as what's happening on the field is reflected in the market i will say as a, as a casual baseball fan um and just kind of following along with with more of the collectibles market than actually watching games um and, and looking at highlights and things like that on sports center this is one of the more fun baseball seasons it seems like there's a lot of yeah. fun players there's a lot of fun action so um, which which ties right into perfect timing for unless you're a Yankee fan. That's you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I yeah, wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's perfect timing for tops to take advantage of. And I, I shouldn't say take advantage. That's unfair. But it's perfect timing for tops to, um, you know, throw their hat in as they're getting prepared to go public, throw their hat into the NFT ring. Um, take advantage of some of the the hot names that the baseball world has to offer now. And, and also try and take advantage a little bit of the, the digital collectibles market. So um, I'm curious to see, and we'll, we'll talk on this. I'm curious to see how, you know, legacy hobbyists and uh, old school collectors will receive this in the coming weeks, days, months. Um, but I think it's an inter interesting product. And I think the fact that they're officially licensed is, is really interesting. But I think to be fair to um, Tops and their NFT project, it, it makes sense for us to kind of set some groundwork for what the release is how how it happened and things of that nature so um tops really isn't a, isn't a stranger at all to digital collectibles they've actually released a variety of digital collectible apps um dating all the way back to 2012 with their flagship baseball uh app tops bunt they've actually dipped their toes in the nft space as well with their garbage pail kids product um so you know it's it's not not brand new to them they've had some experience obviously nothing to this scale yet um but you know that they they've had some they've had some experience, so I'm excited to see where that goes, and and just like Top Shot is built on the Flow blockchain, Tops releases their product on the Wax blockchain, which of course includes a secondary market for everybody to buy and sell packs and buy and sell cards and things of that nature. So so the Wax blockchain um, has over a million accounts. Uh, it's established. We'll talk about some of the issues that uh, you know we experience with the release, but it is it is an established blockchain, um, and you know there, there's there's plenty to go along with that. So I think that that kind of leads us into the elephant in the room with anyone that's following along, anyone that was anyone that's watching that tried to get their uh, tops NFT pack on 420 may have had some issues. Um, so why don't why don't you kick it off, Gary? Because we we both had some problems. Why don't you explain your experience? I'll kind of explain my experience, and then, you know, we did end up with a pack. You ended up with a pack. Maybe you can yep. talk about that. Um, I know you've got uh, family that's that's enjoying the products. So maybe we can touch on that too. What was your experience like? Yeah. So, I mean, I first of all, I want to say I'm intrigued by it for sure. You know, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head as far as perfect time for them to get in and make sense that they were doing this right around the time they were going public. This all, all makes plenty of sense. Um, I think there was a lot of issues with the launch and I think we can both, both agree with that. And, you know, even just this wax platform, 
is I think a little bit foreign to a lot of people. You know, I think I, I was listening to to Darren Rovell, I believe, speak on this, and he was saying that this is going to be a great way for you know parents to get involved with their kids, especially if they're having issues getting sealed product and things like that. But like, is it is it actually if it's going to be so difficult to navigate this platform, especially if you're a 50 year old dad trying to hang out with your 10 year old <laughs> kid? Like, are, are you really going to be able to navigate this wax platform very easily? So uh, for me, uh, I would logged on at one o'clock or whenever I needed to be logged on on uh, what was it Tuesday and you know, I was ready to go. I, I, um, I know they were saying you could really, I believe only do credit cards for off the site to start. Right. So I had that ready. I had my credit card ready and, um, you know, the site was crashing like crazy, uh, you know, or it wasn't even crashing. It just was showing, not showing anything. So like the site wasn't reflecting anything for me. Um, I did manage to get some of the packs in my cart at one point. Uh, but then every time I tried to, you know, get it one step further, it would either kick me back or ask for all my information again. And then just never, enter it or never input me to that next screen. It would refresh and refresh and then kick me back. And then I would have to refresh a bunch of times to even just see those packs again in my cart. And I did that for like an hour and a half and ended up with nothing essentially. <laughs> um, that was really my experience as far as launch day. We shouldn't gloss over the fact that, you know, a 50 year old dad trying to utilize this blockchain product <laughs> and get digital cards and, and try to explain them to his kid. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the kid's better explaining it to his dad than, yeah, than the other way around. That's a good but point. I, I will say to, to their credit, and we'll talk a lot, a lot of Top Shot on here too, but to their credit, Top Shot has made it feel like, um, you know, they've made the, you don't, and we talked about this in the first episode, you don't, you don't need to understand crypto uh, or the blockchain or need to have some, you know, degree in computer science right. to be able to, to go in, buy a moment and enjoy it with your kids. So yeah, to that point, I think there's some work that can be done there. I very much had the same type of experience with release day that you did. Um, I was DMing with a few, a few people that I, you know, were interested in this and up until like 30 minutes, I had seen, you know, I saw the packs on my screen, like, okay, great. We're the, the timer was rolling and they sent me a screenshot of the screen that they were at and it didn't look like mine. So I was panicking like, Oh God, this is, you know, this, I, I'm going to make a mistake. And I'm going to miss out. So I refresh and it goes blank. So, so clearly the site had crashed. Um, they release, they push the release for 30 minutes. Everything is apparently up and running, but it's, it's kind of a rite of passage now, right? If you release a NFT project in 2021, your site almost has to crash or it's a failure. <laughs> um, so they push it back 30 minutes, all is fine. And actually shout out to Peter Overzet. If you, do, if you don't know Peter, Peter's on Twitter, Peter's great. They do club top shot. But I remember back in the early days of top shot, he when the, when it was kind of the wild, wild west of packs and, you know, you could kind of just get as many packs as you wanted there before the queue system. And I remember, I think it was one of the first cool cats releases and you could buy up to five, right? So all of us pretty bastards were in there trying to buy five and Peter, Peter bought three, right? And all of our transactions got declined. And I remember Overzet got three of them. He got three packs and none of us got any because all our transactions were declined. If I'm misremembering this, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure I heard this on one of his shows. So he, he selected three and ended up getting through and got us three packs because all of us idiots were trying to buy five and, you know, <laughs> major issue. Yep. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm not going to go out and buy five packs or 10 packs because everyone's going to be trying to get 10, 10 of these packs, right? Because you could buy up to 10. I'm just going to get two. I'll be happy with two. I can rip one on the show and, and you know, I'll have one to play around with. And I had the same problem. I, you know, I got through. My card was charged. My card is actually charged three times because I tried to process it multiple times. I'm like, okay, great. At least I've got, you know, one of these had to go through, right? I've got two packs. Anyway, I get the, I get the notification that my credit card was refunded like an hour later and was just super bummed out. But I think um, all that, all the problems, which, you know, we're going to experience with new products, new releases, 
it was a good sign to see on the secondary market that these things shot up in value and they were actually being bought and sold. And a lot of the cards that were in these packs were being bought and sold. So um, I know these things went up to like $200, $300, in some cases $400 per pack, and people were actually buying them. So it, it is it is a good sign to me that at least that there's some demand. Um, it'll, it'll be curious to see how much that demand lasts beyond just the initial release. But I, I don't know. I don't know if you've looked at any of the numbers, if you've looked at you know total volume of sales or if you've seen any of that stuff. But what was your takeaway just browsing the secondary market and you know what you were, what your thought of was the product of itself and you know your thoughts on demand for it yeah well i guess i, I just want to touch on that too because i've had a lot of issues using the secondary market as well so um you and i were talking after we both failed to get a pack we were saying hey we should try to get one we'd love to open one on the show um so i was trying to to grab one on the secondary market i was okay eating the the negative ev mm -hmm. And paying up, um, and I had no success getting money into to this my my wax wallet. Uh, I really have still still actually to this point haven't. Uh, first, I tried to do through both of their credit card processors that way, um, and it wasn't working for a couple of days. Last night, it gave, brought me to a screen where it worked, and basically the same experience you had with your card getting charged to buy the packs directly. I did. Uh, I had the same experience getting my card kicked back to buy wax itself. So. Mm. Um, I never, and then I know there's other ways you can transfer, um, crypto in through some different wallets and things like that, but I'm not very, um, advanced in some of that stuff. So up to this point, uh, I did get my hands on a pack. Uh, that's because my future brother-in-law has, uh, been hounding that secondary market, he's bought a bunch of packs. He's been really into it. Um, and you know, he, he kind of has some theories on wax itself. And we should say that, that wax itself, the wax coin, I believe is its own type of cryptocurrency. I don't know if you can explain this better than I can, but I believe that it's um, like a subset of Ethereum. So it's not its own exact coin, but it's basically is its own form of currency. So wax itself will hold different values. So like you might be able to buy, you know, if you put a thousand dollars into wax today, that might be worth different uh, a, a different amount tomorrow based off what wax itself does. Um, so that plays a whole other factor into this. We can run with your definition of that because I didn't look too much into it. Um, yeah. I think it's something okay, like and, that. I, and, and I have to come clean. When when I didn't get a $99 pack and I logged in and saw they were 200 I had the same thought. I was like, okay, I'm going to get one for the show at least, you know, and I'll see where the, where the dust settles. And look, we're not shilling this product at all. We're just here to talk about it. We want, you know, we want to, we want to have the understanding of it. We want to be able to, um, you know, see this thing as it grows or maybe as it dies. But we, we just want to understand, um, you know, Tops NFT, it's the first officially licensed uh, baseball NFT, right? So MLB NFT. So we need to at least discuss it and understand it a little bit. But I have to come clean. When I saw they went up to 200, I was like, I can't buy them now. I'm going to have to wait till the, you know, the market comes, market corrects and they're worth 150. Well, they didn't correct. It went back up and kept going up. So I did not get my hands on a pack either. Um, I was looking at some of the data on Crypto Slam which is a great site to use if you just kind of want to, uh, whether you want to dive super deep into it or look um, overview wise at just some of the transactions, how many unique buyers there are, total volume. It looked like, uh, and I didn't check today much, but it looked like as of last night, they had done about 2.5 million in, in sales on the secondary market, which is pretty solid. And they've had over 7,500 unique buyers. So um, more sellers right now than buyers in uh, as we head into like day three now. But um Still seems like there's some plenty plenty of activity on the secondary market, even as people like us experience problems. So, 
I don't yeah, know. That's interesting. No, that's that's interesting. Those numbers. I mean, you know, again, I, as you said, I think this is going to have some legs just because it is the first licensed MLB NFT. You know, the baseball card market is hot traditionally. Um, there's no reason to think that there wouldn't be interest on the digital side. You know, there's there's a bunch of young stars in the sport. There's and there's a bunch of people that are are interested in in NFTs right now. The marriage seems to make sense. So, you know, the it, I, I'm really curious to keep monitoring that market and see where it goes. Okay, so so question for you that I just thought of, right? Because this was top series one, right? Yep. So do you think, or, or I guess maybe I should know this, but do you, is there going to be, or do you think there will be, maybe they've announced it, is there going to be a top series two? Will they release it? Because these mirror the the cards themselves, right? They're just digitally yes. enhanced and, and made so, pretty for, for digital images, right? I, I don't want to say I think this is a, a misconception because I actually don't know myself necessarily. But I think people that are getting into this that don't necessarily know what's going on in the top traditional release world is they see series one mm-hmm. and they think, oh, this is like series one of Top Shot. This is a right. huge, huge, yes. huge deal. Okay. And maybe it will be because this is still the first release of mm-hmm. what is happening with, with Top's MLB NFT. But it is series one reflecting what series one is in the real world right now. And that is just the flagship baseline tops product. It is not a high end product. It is just the release every year. Yeah. You're tracing, you're chasing the rookies of the year. Um, and, and that's about it. And they're paper cards in real life and they're, they're not super high end. Um, you know, if you got the top series two from 2020, Last year, you got Luis Robert rookie cards, which were a big deal. So you you were chasing those, but still, I mean, even those at a PSA ten, just the paper cards, are like a hundred bucks. So you know, oh, this wow. isn't this isn't the highest highest end of stuff in the real world. Now they're basically took that and are reflecting it in the digital space. Will this be what tops what NFTs? Uh, sorry, what Top Shot Series One was at least at the peak? I don't know, maybe, but I don't want people to think like, oh, this is the this is the highest end. Um, product as far as like what is happening in the cardboard space for tops so to your original question top series two comes out next month in the real world i would guess we see a series two release in digital as well that's a super interesting point because that's such a it's going to be such an easy you know for people that are coming over from top shot or if this does take off and we get you know um the casual fans like me uh casual baseball collecting fans like me that get into this and maybe came from the nft space or understand top shot a little more they're going to see series one and it may not be series one uh, in the sense that you think from uh, think of from the Top Shot world, that's that's a good point, right? So, because it's just mirroring what's happening in the real world. Like if this was a complete and yeah, they they added some flair to it as you said and some uh, you know effects. But if this was like a completely brand new product and they were calling it Series One and this was like their first and they were really uh, like advertising it as like Digital Series One or whatever they wanted mm-hmm. to call it, I think to me I would be a little bit more excited about it. Uh, whereas like I know what Series One is in the real world and it's a great cool product. That's it's the it's the Legacy Tops regular product. But to me, like if I'm just getting out of digital space, I'm not going to get like super super pumped about. That. sure so what's the so is it tops chrome is that the that's kind of the the premier release or is there is there is that the middle tier release what's the what's like the premier tops release uh yeah i mean tops chrome is good as far as i mean there's there's a bunch um bowman is really what you're looking for as far as this stuff so like chrome or paper-based cards you're looking for for bowman um or the tops tops chrome and tops update rookies you know that's really it everything else is going to be more of the high-end uh, autograph base patch autograph base there's and there's a bunch of different stuff uh like that that's that's really high end that's like, that's super interesting i didn't i didn't even put two and two together but the fact that they're mirroring you know their their physical releases at least with the way the cards look and um it seems like the player list the checklist seems to match as well so 
Yeah. Did they, did they do the, is it the 1952, um, like the redo? Um, so that I think, I, at least I was hearing that you could burn a card and get, yeah. a, so that I think is unique to this is my understanding. Okay. So, so that's, they, they're not doing that in the physical. They're not doing they, like a. I don't think 52, they do like an 84 or something okay. like that. Um, flashback as, as one of the main part uh, components of the set, but I don't think 52 is in the series one. I think they wanted to make that unique to, to what's going on with this. So, okay, sweet. Yeah. So what, who, okay. So what, so who are we looking for out of these packs? You're, you're going to rip one pack. I don't know if you want to set the table for your pack or I can set the table for your pack as you get it pulled up here. Um, um yeah, I'll get it pulled up in a second. Um, it's a pretty solid, solid rookie class. Um, a, there is Alec Baum. I believe he was the first or second overall pick a, a couple of years ago. Uh, Philly's third baseman. Uh, Joe Adele has his first card in the top series one. So and I should say these are the same rookies from the top series one in the regular world. Same exact mm-hmm. rookie class, all that. Um, Dylan Carlson, big prospect on the Cardinals. So there's there's a handful. Uh, Bobby Dahlback on, on the Red Sox. Um, I will get this up and rolling here. I need to get my, my screen shared. While I do that, do we want to just talk a, a little bit about um, some of the controversy possibly around the way these were, were minted or, or, or not minted. Yeah, we should at least touch on that. And, and I don't have the article pulled up anymore, but I think it was, um, I it was one it of the, up. yeah, it was one of the, um, crypto sites, one of the data sites, basically they had looked at, um, the moments that were the cards, I should say that were being pulled from packs. And keep in mind, all of this, this, we should start with the baseline that all of this stuff is or should be or was told to be pre-minted, right? That the, they were pre-minted. They were all minted prior to the pack release and all of the cards were randomized in the pack. So whether you open the first pack or you open the last pack, you know, 10 weeks from now, you should have had an equal chance to get in these premium packs. You should have had an equal chance to pull a serial one or you know, to pull a lower serial number. What it had appeared based off of the data in this article, and, and if I'm speaking out of turn, let me know if you're getting it pulled up. But what it seemed like was that the, and the data kind of proved this out, that the, the packs that were opened earliest had a higher percentage chance of getting lower serial numbered cards. So um, if, I mean, I, and I don't know, I don't know if they've responded to this now. I looked it up and sent it to you last night. I don't know if they've since responded to this tops that is, but it is a bad look. If that is true, it seems like um, if you had opened your pack first, you were getting lower serial number cards, which are obviously more valuable. So I don't know if, if you've got it pulled up now, if you can kind of explain more about that. Um, um, yeah, I did get it pulled up. I, I mean, I think you, you hit the, as far as the, um, the gist of, of it, I don't see much of an update on it i don't know if we had a response um here I'm gonna... yeah I, I don't have too much to add but i mean look i want to i want to believe that they acted in good faith with everything um and you know i i don't think they could think to really just get away with you know kind of something so i don't even know what the right word is you know, it's just something so kind of misleading to to their customers on their first the first go around of this thing. Well, and I, and I guess I don't see I don't unless it was just an error. I don't see what the benefit is for them doing it that way. Right, right. You know, they don't they don't get any gain anything by the first customer that opens their pack having a higher chance of getting a serial number. I think the other thing was that was what was concerning or that people were bringing up was that there was like sequential serial numbers that were being pulled out of packs. Um, you know, again, this, this could all be random. It could be, um, you know, coincidence, 
I don't want to get too far in the weeds and conspiracy right. theories and tinfoil hat type stuff, but uh, I guess it is something worth monitoring. Maybe they'll provide an update. Maybe they won't. Um, right. That's that's all. Yeah. Um, it, it, all should right. be, it should be mentioned, but but yeah, yep. you, if you've got your pack ready to let's, roll. Let's check it out. So I got a premium pack here. Shout out to to my brother-in-law who sent me over this, um, and I've, then I, I Venmoed him for it. So uh, I did pay for it. But uh, as I said, I was having issues getting money in my wax balance here. So um, let's see what we do here. So... I think we just press open pack, right? That's it. Can you see my screen all right? I can see your screen. I can't see you, but if you want to oh. just rip the rip the pack. I, I don't I don't know if there's a way to for me to well, I could try. Yeah, let's just rip it and we'll let's talk just about rip it. it. And I'm gonna have I will have Crypto Slam pulled up. If I can find these uh cards that you pull, then I will try and give you a current valuation of them. Let's see how all we right. do. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um and I know you also have written down, right, some of the different rarity levels and stuff. So we could talk about uh some of that stuff as we go here. Um all right, I'm opening. Let's do it. Oh, I need to log in. This was uh all right. So yeah, as as Gary mentioned, the the premium pack has forty five cards, I believe. The the uh, I think the common packs, the standard packs, had five or six. Yep. Um, oh, here we go. We have it right here. The different levels. So okay, perfect. Um, yep. So the commons, sixty uh, percent of the cards are fifty nine point four common. Collectibles twenty two point two uncommon. Eleven point eleven rare. Two point two two super rare. Point uh, five six epic. I guess that's. Uh, no, the the four point four four is epic exclusive, and then point uh, oh four legendary exclusive. So that that looks like it's the most rare that we're looking for here. So let's open this guy up. Ah, uh, why why does this keep expiring? Excuse me. See, this was part. This was part of. If you didn't try and get in on the pack drop, this was part of the problem. It seemed like you had to log in about ten different times in yeah, order seriously. to get to where you wanted to go. So let's see if you know, that'll work now. Hopefully, there's improvements that can be made. Um, you know, I know if, if you were right, on Top Shot for a while, you, you experienced some of these problems too. So we'll live with it. All, All right, right. Let's what see we got what we got. got a little video or something. Oh, okay. It looks like it's all and kind of just your packs open. Okay. So it's, this is very different than Top Shot. You just yeah, get all your cards. Yeah, this is incredibly different. Start, so yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no slow rolling anybody here. Let's, you just, you've got your cards. Let's start at the top. I guess it looks like it's, it might go from common downwards. So, okay. um, nothing too much here. Luke Voigt's my guy on the Yanks. Uh, yeah, bunch of commons, rookie here. So it does have the same, you know, again, this looks just like the, the top series one in, in real world. Um, and it has the same rookie card shield there for the rookies. So more commons, another common rookie here, another common rookie here. All right, let's get into the good stuff. All right, so an uncommon, they look like they have a little bit of a gold uh, edge to them. Okay, nice touch. Um, yeah, a couple uncommon rookies Pitcher on the Marlins, guy on the pitcher on the Tigers, uh, Kyle Lewis. Uh, so he had his rookie in, I believe, Series Two last year. He was a big rookie. Okay. All right, rare, uh, rare rookie pitcher Cody Whitley, Tristan McKenzie. He's a very big pitching prospect on the Indians. Joe Adele. That's got to be a good one. A rare okay. Joe Adele. Joe Adele. Nice. Checking that out. I will check that out while you keep scrolling. Or if you want to wait for yeah, me, no, I'll, let's I'll, see how quickly I'll, this loads. I'll keep scrolling. I'll go to the next uh, line here. Let's see. Super rare. Kyle Lewis. This looks like one of the throwback sets. Um, Super rare. Okay, so your Joe Adele was a rare. Yep. Why don't you check the serial number on that? Can you click on it and oh, we'll show yeah, you the serial see. number? I don't know if it'll matter as much on these. We'll see. I actually don't. 
Hold on. Anyway, these are my epic. I got one epic exclusive rookie. Never heard of this guy. Nick Heath. That's good. Uh, looks like those are my two best cards. These epic exclusives, which have a graphic to them, it looks like. Um, like stars. Red, white, and blue graphic. Yep. Um, here, I don't know how I could see the serial numbers. I mean, there has to be a way. I guess they just go into my inventory. So let's see. View in my wallet. Is that what it is? Yep. Okay. Here we go. So let's go down to so this First. is uh twenty two out of four oh two for this pitcher rookie that's a rare I believe. Um First things first, no music. Come on, Top. Yeah, no music. Where, I mean, where's the Top Shot style music? At least I did not hear anything on my end. So Joe Adele's 250 of 402. 250 of 402. Okay. So I guess it has it has their back. It's the same. Looks like the exact same card. Um, so I, there is... Well, it says there's sound here, but I'm not hearing anything. What's your takeaway on... I mean, visually. I uh, visually is fine. I, I don't feel like this was the best pack. So these Epic exclusives are at a 76, it looks like. So I got one of the rookies at a 76 here. Um, so yeah, you're Joe Adele. And, and keep in mind, this the last sale that I have for a rare was serial number 69. So mm, very nice. Well, of course. Um, you know, so you're talking about 100% premium there already. But that sold for $12.86. All right. 12 whole bucks. I don't, um, know if, I don't know if we got our... I don't know if this pack was EV, you know, was positive EV. What was that? I, Go I back to that Nick, that Nick yeah, Heath. Yeah, Nick, Nick Heath. Uh, 19, this is, what do they call this? Is this the Epic Exclusive yeah, 70th Anniversary? Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Or I, th I think so. Epic Exclusive 70th Anniversary uh, has... Out of 70? Uh, indep no, Independence Day, that's what it is. Independence Base Day. Independence Day. Okay, well, I don't see any sales for Nick Heath, so you All might right. be the first. You might be the first I'm, sale I'm, I see. I might be the first Nick Heath <laughs> Epic Exclusive Independence Day rookie card owner uh, that has the chance to sell a card. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not overly impressed with this pack, unfortunately, but um, it's an interesting experience. I have to ask you because I think I think this will be the you know kind of the next talking point, if not already. Um, is what's your what's your overall takeaway on? Um, digital highlights, just just from aesthetically speaking only, digital highlights, as in like the moments on Top Shot, yeah. Versus digital still images, versus like physically holding a slab like you had earlier. What's what's your like rank those digital still image, digital highlight, and you know a traditional sports card. Okay, well I'm biased, so I I am I, I love the traditional card space. Like I I think there's something cool about just like this is a I, I grabbed a I don't know what we're gonna get into, so I grabbed a couple cards. So this is another Giannis card. Uh, this is called the Color Blast. It's a very it's a super short print that was out of Spec Panini Spectra from this past year that I have graded a BGS nine point five. Like to me, that's a piece of art, right? Like I have it in there. It's a really pretty card. There's only uh, I think there's like these are probably short printed to like 20 or so. And so like I think there's something really cool about having that in your hand. Like if you have people come over, like I think there's there's the one of the reason I think this is really taken off is people look at it as replacing modern day art for people that are spending on it. So to me, I, I like that aspect of mm -hmm. it. Uh, I think I would put the moments in second because mm -hmm. I what I what drew me to Top Shot, if anything, is that it did have a little bit of a different feel. Um than a traditional card space while still having that collectible aspect to it. So uh, I actually, if I'm being honest, at first I thought it was a little silly. Like I'm like, oh, I can just watch right. this on YouTube. I, like I didn't video. really quite understand the the thing of it. But then obviously they grew on me. Um, I think it's cool how they have it come from a couple of different angles. Um, and, you know, it, it, I, I, get, I get it. It's fun. And it's fun to watch basketball players do high-flying things. Um, these, 
you know, they're, they're, I think they, they look pretty nice. Like the rare ones have like kind of that rainbow shine to them. I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so aesthetically they're decent, but um, they, it would have to come in third for me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I agree with your rankings. I, I actually came from like the, you know, this, I came from like the fractional world. So I, I didn't actually care about the physical ownership at first. Yeah. I was just in it for like, okay, I know, I, I know that digitally I own a piece of this, a fraction of this, you know, rare item. And I think that's cool in and of itself. And if, you know, if I want to show off my portfolio to my wife or to a friend, right. you know, I can pull up my phone to show them just like you can on Topshop. But I have really come around to, um, just like the feeling of holding a slab and just like, like, like you said, it's, it's modern day art. So yeah, yeah I'm with you. I, I'm curious to see how, um, tops can improve on the experience and if they keep it rolling. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Um, I, I wouldn't say that pack has me like itching for more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think my, my brother-in-law's had much more success than, than I've had so far with this one pack. Maybe he intentionally sent me a bad pack. I, I don't know. I'll have, to, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to get on him for that. But um, no, but like, listen, like obviously there, I understand why this digital space is going this way. There's a lot of downside of holding the physical cards too. Um, if, if first and foremost, is it being just a very, maybe an outdated form of collecting with the modern day space, but um, you know, it's, it takes up a lot of room. It's a lot of manual work. If you're trying to sell the things, which just to tease as a transition, like that's going to be one of the topics we really get into in the starter pack. Like, I think a lot of people don't know how to handle store ship uh, just what to do with their physical cards. So I'm excited to to talk to all of you about that. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point. Um, and, and, and I think, if if you're coming into this recently and maybe you're coming into this from top shot, or maybe you're, you're just getting into sports card collecting um, over the last couple of months, um, maybe since the Jordan documentary, maybe since sports went on pause. But I think a lot of talk is, is like trying to push people off of the hobby from people that haven't been in it for a while. And I think you're kind of the perfect guy to say, no, the barrier of entry isn't really as bad as you think it might be. And we can explain yeah. to you, some of the way that that we can make this easier for you, easier to invest, easier to collect, easier to, like you said, store and buy and sell and and just to make better decisions overall. So that uh, brings us to kind of the closeout of this episode. Do you have anything to add on Tops NFT, anything to add on the sports card market as a whole or anything to add on the baseball card market? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, that was a great point. I think what you just said, like the, the entry points and the, you know, coming in as a, as a newbie does not have to be as overwhelming or as intimidating as it may seem. Um, like, honestly, my experience with all the people like in the old school, traditional, at least taboo that I can speak to, everyone is is super welcoming and, and super nice. And um, for the most part, everyone's looking to help everybody out. So, you know, and I, that's what we're going to be here for as well. If you're looking to get into that or on the, on the digital space, we're going to be talking a ton of top shot. We're going to be talking, we'll be, we'll be following the tops NFT as it grows um, and the secondary market as well. And uh, yeah, no, I, I don't have anything else to add. Perfect. Okay. So we will get this episode up soon and we plan on um, shortly after the draft is over, we will have an NFL episode, an NFL draft themed episode. We think it might make sense to um, following the draft, kind of get a sense of where players um, card prices may move based on players that were drafted to their teams and get an outlook on the 20, the loaded, loaded, loaded 2021 rookie class and product releases that are coming up in 2021. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, For Gary, I'm Cody. Peace. Take care, guys.